Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. I think that's my fault there. Um, don't hold the mic in front of the speaker. I think that's the lesson for me today. But uh, so thankful for just the freedom that we have to come together and worship in this great nation and the, the gift that it is to us. I heard someone say one time that we love our family not because it's perfect, but because it's mine. And we love this great nation not because it is perfect, but because it is ours. And it's where God has placed us and allows us and has given us more resources and freedom and opportunity to be able to proclaim the good news of who he is than maybe in what I would say is definitely any other place in this world. And, you know, as we you know, just had heard the words that Mike shared in his prayer of just this, this desire that our country and that really that, our, that God's people in this country would return uh, to him, that we would, uh, that we would repent, that we would uh, desire to, to truly allow the words of that last song to be a statement that was for all believers and all of us, that in God we still trust. And, you know, we look around this nation and sometimes it's hard uh, to see those things describe us, a nation that would be described as united or a nation that would be described as entrusting the Lord. But I am so grateful to live in this great nation. And as we look at God's Word today, we come into this time on this weekend that we celebrate the independence of our nation, that we celebrate this holiday because of what happened in 1776 as as 13 colonies and 56 representatives met with Congress and declared that no longer was America joined to Great Britain, that uh, no longer did we need to answer to her, and the Declaration of Independence was drafted. We read the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence, and it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we are here today 244 years later, and we are enjoying that freedom. And, you know, when we think about the 4th of July, we think about Independence Day, there's a lot of things that maybe come in our mind. There's a lot of things that we do uh, in celebrating those things. Wayne had, had asked and said, you know, hey, how many of you uh, watched some fireworks? And there were some of you that were uh, blowing your horn or maybe set off some fireworks. And uh, we did some of that at, at our house. And we think of things like that. We uh, think about maybe a, a, a grill uh, out on a, a deck somewhere. And we think about people gathering and we uh, we do some of that, right? We gather and, and maybe we uh, have some hot dogs or we have some hamburgers. Maybe we do some of those kind of things. Uh, anybody, and maybe there's some of you that are watching uh, online this morning, uh, and maybe you're watching from a campground because one of the things that a lot of people do on the 4th of July 
uh, weekend uh, is camping. We see a lot of our church that spends time uh, in campgrounds. Maybe if that's you, you comment on our uh, our live feed this morning. Just say, hey, we're watching uh, from the, the campground. Uh, some of you uh, are watching from that. We've been talking about, hey, the next couple of weeks, I want to take and go camping. We, uh, My little boy, Grant, he was excited about the thought uh, of going camping uh, a weekend ago. And so we just camped outside in our backyard. That's one of the favorite things. Uh, or really our back porch, and that's one of the favorite things that kids like to do, right? We, we go outside and we camp. And, you know, there's kind of an interesting thought about some of that because we go camping, and a lot of times we leave this really, you know, great bed in our house. We leave uh, air conditioning and lots of comfort to go outside and sleep on the ground. I, I can remember when I was growing up, my dad, he, he never was too big on camping. Uh, he, he's here in the, in the front room, kind of laughed when I said that, but when we would talk about camping, he said, you know what? He said, I spent a year camping in Vietnam, and he said, I have no desire to leave uh, my uh, good, warm, uh, or cold, or whatever uh, house and go out and sleep on the ground. He said, I did all the camping uh, that I want to do. I heard a comedian uh, once say that we work all year long, and really only in America, right? We work all year long uh, so that we can take a week off and live like we're homeless. Um, that's just something that's kind of hard for us to think about, right? We, we laugh about those kind of things. But one thing I've noticed is whenever we vacation or whenever we go camping, we try to take a lot of stuff with us. I don't know if anybody can relate to this. Maybe if you've got kids or maybe you've been on a trip this year. Maybe you've been thinking about uh, just going on a trip in the coming weeks. And you think about all the things you have to get together to go on that trip. And we, it's kind of funny to look at our car. We, we've decided that I don't look like a biker or a backpacker uh, for that matter. But we, um, we, we enjoy going biking, and so when we go on vacation, a lot of times we'll take our bikes, and so we'll take Sherry's car, and we've got four bikes on the back of them. We've got the top is so full inside that you can only, uh, the only way you can look is through the mirror. That's the only way that you're going to be able to uh, to see, uh, you know, out, out the, uh, the side mirrors to see who's behind you, and then we look, and we've got things strapped on top of uh, our car. We've got uh, you know, just this rack up there, but we try to take so much with us, and it's kind of funny. You know, I, I'll think about this backpack that I've got on, and really my first experience with camping was maybe a little different. As I showed when I was growing up, we didn't go out and do a lot of camping. It wasn't necessarily something that was on our list of fun things to do, and so when I got a little older, I said, you know what, we're going to go uh, on this trip, and we're going to go camping, and so there was a place called uh, Hazel Creek that I'd heard had the best fishing of anywhere uh, around, and so I, I said, I'm, you know, I can't wait, we're going to go, uh, and we're going to spend some time in Hazel Creek, and so when we go over there, it's a little different, because you, uh, for, for me to get there, you, I didn't have a, a horse maybe to ride down on, or didn't want to walk from uh, Clemens Dome, so the closest way was you could be taken across by boat uh, on Fontana Lake, you could get dropped off uh, at the bottom, and you could hike back in to Hazel Creek. And so I bought this backpack because you're going in, uh, you can only carry so much with you, but you've got to have enough. And so I bought this backpack, and I began to uh, to read and learn. And, and you want to make sure everything's light, right? So you're trying to find a real lightweight tent, and you're trying to find a real lightweight everything. And you're actually looking at ounces. And then you're thinking about, what am I going to eat? And so you buy this uh, this food that's like dehydrated and dried out, and you 
mix all that up and put some hot water uh, on that. And that's part of your food that's there, especially if maybe the fishing doesn't work out to be as good as you uh, dreamed. I got this backpack out. It's been about 15 years since I put it on. Uh, I tried to button it, and like I-, I was amazed at how far back these things were. I was, I was laughing. I put this thing on. I was like, oh, wow, that's been a minute. Um, I probably should do some training before I go backpacking uh, again. But there was one thing on my first trip that stood out to me, maybe more than anything else. We had hiked in. It was about six and a half, seven miles uh, that we had hiked in. And as we walked in, uh, we were we were kind of tired. I mean, we had 50 pounds or so uh, of stuff that we had carried in. And maybe if you're not used to making that kind of trip, it can get a little weary, right? And so we get in there and we're hiking and we camp at this place called Bone Valley. And so we get in there and there were some people that were camping in the campsite near us. And, and these folks had brought a mailbox in. I'll never forget this. I walked in, and I'm thinking I'm struggling with, like, I want two ounces of this, and I want to make sure that I'm traveling light. And I look up, and they have strapped a mailbox to a tree uh, with their little address on it. And it seemed to say this one thing. It seemed to say that, you know what, this is home, and, and we're setting up residence here. That's what I really thought about as I thought about this morning. And I want to remind you this morning that, In this time that we are on earth, we are here just for a little while, right? We've looked in James chapter 4, and we're reminded that our life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away, and we are not here long. And I want to make a kind of a statement as part of the title of this sermon, and it's this, that we are campers that are longing for home. Now, I remember that first time that I spent a week at Hazel Creek. When I first got there, I was excited to be there. And I, and I was not uh, discouraged to be there at the end. But I want you to know, after a week uh, of being uh, away and sleeping on the ground and navigating, you know, b- backpacking and doing this and that, watching the bears swat at the, the sacks of food that we had put up in the air, as we had, I remember one night, I slept in a tent, and I'm a sound sleeper. Like, it, it's crazy how sound I sleep. But we got up the next morning, and everybody's talking about how these hogs would root around. And I got up, and this hog had rooted the entire uh, perimeter of my tent just right up against it. had to be bumping against it. I had no idea any of those things were going on. I remember that, you know what, I was getting tired of peanut butter and beef jerky because that was some stuff I'd packed for the trip, and I'd had my share of that. We'd had some good fishing days, and we'd had some not so good fishing days, and so I was ready uh, to be home, and I can remember getting back down the trail, and I got to the bottom uh, of the trail, and I looked out, and there was Fontana Lake, and I'm thinking, I really hope this guy, because I wasn't for sure about the guy that was supposed to come get us, right? We had contracted this little marina, and I'm thinking, yeah, they're supposed to be here like in 15 minutes. And I'm thinking, are they going to make it? And then they were running late, and I'm going, we're, we're stuck here. Peanut butter and beef jerky. There's no cell service. There's no anything. And I want you to know that in that moment, I was longing for home. I was longing for a cheeseburger. I figured out that was not a good idea right after you have maybe ate rations all week. But, but I was thinking, you know, I'm ready to be home. Because the reality was that I had a home that was much greater than the tent that I'd been sleeping in. I had a home uh, that was much, uh, much more comfortable. I had food that was much better. There was everything uh, about this. And, And here I am. I've got all these things. And I'm longing 
to be home. Now, we've been in this series looking at the life of Joseph, and we've been talking about this thought that we've been missing normal, and we really have. We've been missing the things that we're used to. We've been missing the, the normal things that we that we, we desire, but we started out this series, and we said, you know what? We long to see a normal that is different. We long to see a normal the way God intends it, not the normal that we were in before the coronavirus hit, not a normal before any of that, but a normal that's whole and healthy and the way God desires. And I want to challenge you today that we want to see a normal that looks like people living in this earthly kingdom, campers that are longing for home, people that recognize we are only here for a little while. Now, Joseph had quite to stay in Egypt, and as he uh, walked through this time there, he was in a foreign land, and it started out rough, but there was incredible blessings uh, and incredible work that God did through him, and it would have been very easy for him by the end of his time in Egypt. It would have been very easy for him to have been very comfortable in all the blessings that it had afforded him. It would have been very easy for him to have gotten to a place that he said, you know what, this is a pretty good place. But in the midst of that, Joseph was looking for home. In the last part of Genesis chapter 50, we read this, and we've referred to it in weeks previous, but we read this in, in verse 24, we read this. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. And he died, and he was looking, uh, he was looking to a, a better land. He died leaning and looking to the promises of God. His heart was not in Egypt. Joseph found himself in Egypt, but his heart was in the promises of God. His heart was in the promised land, a, a land much greater. Now, Joseph was working for Pharaoh. He was uh, in a place where he was working for a man that didn't worship God. He was, he was in a place where he was working for someone, and we know a little bit about Pharaohs, right, that he, they, they thought they were God. But here he was, an administrator in the government of this foreign land, but Joseph lived in such a way in this foreign land that he honored God in a land that was far from God. We're blessed to be here in the United States of America, and I am so grateful for that. But may we live with a longing for a kingdom and a land that is much greater. Because the truth is, as we look at our nation, our nation is far from perfect, and it will continue to be far from perfect until Jesus Christ returns and establishes his rule and his reign. People are rejecting the gospel, and the reality is that many of us as followers of Jesus Christ are not doing what God has called us to do to proclaim the gospel in the midst of a, a, a people that are so desperately in need of hearing it. People are rejecting the gospel. They're rejecting the work of the cross and you and I have an opportunity to live in this land in a way that honors God and points people to him in a place where many are far from him. Land, we're desperate for a move of God in our country. 
it's, as I shared earlier, not easy to be described. As united we stand or, you know, we look around and it doesn't take long to see the depravity of people that are far from God in our nation and in our world, how sinful humanity is. It doesn't take long to see those kind of things. The truth is people are divided over everything. Have you noticed that? It, it seems like there's division in so many things in our country and there's kind of a polarized place that we live in where everything that happens is posted on social media and what results is a people that are outraged in those moments over all kinds of different things. And some of those things are places that we should rightfully be outraged about. There's some of those things that are not even true that we're outraged about. I don't know if you remember a few years back when um, there was this, this major outrage that took place in Christians uh, because Starbucks had removed Merry Christmas from their cups. I don't know if you remember that. It was like everywhere you went, you could see posts about that. Can you believe that they've done this? Can you believe that? And, and the funny thing about that is that they had never had Merry Christmas on their cups to begin with. And, and, and while we long for God to be honored in our nation and all those kind of things, and I understand how we feel about some of that, but it's interesting the outrage that was able to be seen uh, in, in believers because of that. And really, it wasn't even true. They had taken some snowflakes off their cups uh, but but they had never had that on there. And all of a sudden, we're up in arms. Can you believe it? I'll never drink coffee from there again, right? That's the response of, of believers in that moment. That was our response. And uh, a guy named Ed Stetzer wrote a book called Christians in an Age of Outrage. And it's an interesting book. And I'm, I'm in the process of reading it. But, but it's interesting. And I wonder, what does it look like for us to live in a foreign land in the midst of a culture that is so opposed to everything, really, that we stand for as followers of Jesus. And I, I think about that, and what does it look like? What are the things, you know, Mike prayed in his prayer that we would be willing to stand. What is it that we should stand on, and what is it that we're here for? You know, Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, and he gave us uh, just an interesting verse, and he says this, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, can I uh, remind you this morning that we are citizens of another kingdom. Can I remind you that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we are born again into the kingdom of God. Now this word citizenship, uh, politome is the word that's used for that in Greek. And, and this word Paul uses is a word that means commonwealth or state. And he uses it to give us this idea that our homeland isn't here. That we are here, but our place of residence is in another realm entirely. Our citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven and it's there where our loyalty it's there where uh, our 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 citizenship it's there where our, our our loyalty ultimately lies see it ultimately we are loyal to our lord you know we read in Romans 13 and reading first peter and, and we may walk through the book of first peter as we think about just this reality that we are living as sojourners that we are campers that are here for a little while but that we are longing for home and, and we're going to look a little bit more at our our engagement and what it looks like as we think about our role as citizens of the kingdom of god but i want to encourage you that those who are of the faith that we 
live here in this earthly kingdom. And we are good citizens of this kingdom by being good citizens of his kingdom. And as we live in this kingdom, we, like Joseph, have a heart that is longing for home. You know, Hebrews 11, we read this a few weeks back as we read of, of Joseph. And it says, by faith, when he was dying, he made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel. And he gave orders concerning his bones. He died in faith. If we read the faith chapter. We see that those people that were mentioned in the faith chapter, that, that they're referred to as exiles, right? That they were longing for a land that they hadn't even seen, right? The faith that Abraham had. We see those kind of things. And Paul writes, and he says, our citizenship is in heaven where we eagerly wait for a Savior. We long for a Savior. We long for that day. You know, I was talking to Rilla uh, Hewitt just a bit before service, and she was talking about a, a person that we'd been praying for and just the difficulty that this family was walking through and the navigation of all that. And I'm reminded that in the midst of this world and the trials that we face, that even those difficult things remind us that we are not home yet. Every time that I walk upon this hillside with a family beside that graveyard, there's a part inside of me that says, Lord Jesus, I would be so beautiful if you would just return in these moments moments because we long for a day that there is no more suffering and that there is no more pain and that there is no more death and the reality is that all of those things that they are reminders that we are not home yet and I just wonder and the way that I live my life and the way that we live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ do we uh, live our lives in a way that eagerly anticipates the coming of our Lord? Do we blend in and compromise by uh, hiding our identity in Christ? You know, sometimes I think about young people and, and this courage that we need to stand uh, for God's Word and that, that He is our authority. And, and when we think about those kind of things, is that what is declared by our lives? Because the truth is we are camping here for a little while, but I want you to understand many times when we go on camping trips, we're there to fish and we're there for leisure and we're there uh, to get away from certain things. We think about those kind of dynamics, but we are more than campers. Now, we are campers that I believe are longing for home, sojourners that are here for a little while, a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away, but we are more than campers. What is it that we as a church are known for? You know, I, I love the words love and action in our church being known for love and action. I wonder what is it that we are known for? What is it that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ are known for? Because the truth is God's word says that we're campers, but we're campers with a mission. And that mission is something when we think about our country and we say, you know what, united we stand. I want you to know that united the church stands too. And God has given us a mission that unites us. He has given us he has given us a mission that unifies. I want to read it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and this could be maybe the greatest place that we could see our mission clearly as citizens of another land living here. It says now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, now I want you to, to, to lean into this. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors. 
We are ambassadors for Christ. As we look at this passage, I want you to think about who we are uh, first, and then I want you to think about who we represent in our lives. He said, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, right, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's who we are, and we represent Christ. Now, this language of ambassador, many times we think about that language and we think about somebody who represents a country uh, that it's abroad and, and maybe they represent us abroad somewhere and they help to, to navigate crisis and, and have this uh, thought and feeling of goodwill. In Paul's time, Rome uh, did not send ambassadors out. They sent out armies. And uh, there's a Theologian Martin Piercy explains it this way, and he says, Other countries sent ambassadors to avoid the armies and to entreat Rome toward peace and reconciliation. In this picture of us being an ambassador, Stetzer uh, lists a couple of things that I thought was great, and he highlights some functions of an ambassador in this Roman Empire where Christians early, uh, where the early Christians lived. And the first thing you see is they had a specific task to accomplish. The second thing, they traveled to a specific place to accomplish the task. They were dedicated to the interest of the one who sent them. Now, a lot of times I think about what we're dedicated to, and many times we're dedicated to our own agendas and our own uh, things, but these people, they were dedicated to the interests of the one who sent them, and they did not return until the task was complete. Now, these ambassadors, they're more than just uh, uh, messengers. They're more than just uh, heralds. They were representatives with a mission, and that's who we are. We're campers uh, with a, a mission. They, they were endowed with this responsibility to engage. Maybe it was a government. Maybe it was a culture that they found themselves in. And when they did that, they were engaging that culture, uh, that government, that atmosphere, and they were engaging them on behalf of their king. See, they were engaging them on behalf of their sovereign. And, and Paul says that we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says that we're ambassadors for Christ. These people, they were on mission for the king. They left their homes. They lived in a foreign land. They studied the culture. They learned the culture. And they looked for ways. How can we be a bridge in the midst of uh, this time, in, in the midst of this culture, in the midst of this place, to communicate the message that was given by the king? See, it wasn't their message that they came up with. An ambassador doesn't go somewhere with his own message and say, this is what I'm here for. The ambassador goes and he has a message from a sovereign king. He has a message that that he is to uh, declare. And we're ambassadors for Christ in a world that is, is openly and obviously opposed to the message that we have. But I want you to understand, a lot of times we look around and we try to figure out who the enemy is. And we live in a time where everywhere we turn, there's a, a different enemy. And there's a polarization about different topics. But I want you to understand that our enemy, that we have a common enemy. And his name is Satan. Right? We see that, that he roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have a common enemy. And, and we see the church and us as followers of Jesus Christ given a common mission. And that mission is summed up in a word, and that word is reconciliation. See, our allegiance is to the king. We have this common mission as the church, 
And as people who make up the church, right, we are the church. That's why we say welcome church. That's why that this building that we are not inside right now is not the church. It's those of you that sit here and those of you that uh, sit in your cars here and those of you that are watching online, we uh, engage and we make up the church. And when we come together, see, unity comes. If you remember when uh, 9-11 was taking place or you saw those kind of things, there was a, an immediate common enemy. And you saw unity among our nation. You saw unity among people. And I want you to understand that when we as followers of Jesus Christ recognize that the enemy is not other people that are around us, but that the enemy uh, is, is Satan and that we are in a battle that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness and all these kind of things, that there's a spiritual battle that is going on. We understand that we have a common mission and we have a common message. Now you say, what in the world is reconciliation? So the reality is that there's hostility between God and man. We read in the scriptures that we need reconciliation because our relationship with God is broken by sin. Isaiah 59 gives us this reminder that our sin has separated us from God. We have a God who is holy and who is righteous. He is, is set apart in in complete otherness, holy, sinless, cannot be in the presence of sin. Our sin has separated us from Him. Romans 5 gives us this picture that because our sin has separated us from a holy God, that not only are we separate, but it has made us enemies of God. And on the cross, see, this is the, the beauty of the gospel. And that's where Paul starts when he begins to talk about reconciliation. He talks about what has happened because we have been reconciled. We see that on the cross, Jesus took our sin upon himself. If you look at verse 21 in the verses that we just read, it said he became sin. He took all of our sin and all of our shame, everything, uh, all the, the, the wrath of God upon himself. He took all of our sin on him. Scripture says that he became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. He took upon all of our sin and the wrath of God because we not only have a God who is love, and you see that all the time, but we have a God who is just. And it was Jesus on the cross that satisfied the justice of God, and his death made it possible for you and I to have peace with God. That's what the scripture says that those who have been justified by faith have peace with God. God. Romans 5 1 says that we see that in the finished work of the cross, when we have faith in Christ, that no longer are our sins counted against us. And that's incredible news. When you think of everything that you have done, the scriptures that, that all of my sin and all of my shame, everything that I've ever done was placed upon Jesus, that he became sin on my behalf so that I might be reconciled with God and that I might have peace with God. What an incredible blessing. What an incredible gift. And the wages of sin is death, separation from God eternally in a place called hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we have placed our faith in the finished work of the cross, we've been reconciled to God. When we are born again, right, in, in John 3, uh, verse 3, we see we are born again by faith in Jesus Christ. And when we are born again, we are born into the family of God. We, are, we become citizens of the kingdom of God. We become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We have been reconciled. 
And we are given a message and a mission of reconciliation. Look at verse 20 again. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He says, listen, we are to be reconciled to God through Christ, and we become an ambassador for Christ. We are reconciled to God through Christ, and we become an ambassador for Christ. So here we are. I'm going to land really quickly, but we're in this foreign land, and we have a mission to complete. And this mission unifies us as a church. We are campers here for just a little while, but we are not simply campers on a leisurely journey. We are campers that are on a mission. And this mission is uh, not something where we are just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come and take us home. It's not like me sitting on the side of Fontana Lake just hoping that that boat will show up and remove me from my agony and get me to the cheeseburger that is awaiting me as soon as I can get to my car. It's not that kind of dynamic. We're not simply sitting around waiting uh, for the boat to come and take us home. We are on a mission, and that mission is a ministry, a mission of reconciliation. So when we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we recognize that we're born again into a different kingdom, we have a different mission, and we live in this moment in the midst of a culture where all kind of things are going all uh, crazy. So we live in this moment, but we live in light of the mission. So we live in this moment, this, this, this age that is crazy, all these things that are going on in this polarized world, but we live in the midst of that moment, but we live in light of that mission. And I just wonder, what is it, how does what I post on social media reflect the mission of God in the midst of this moment? Right? How does that look? How does the interaction that I have with people that view something different than me reflect the mission that God has me on? What does that look like in my life? Because we got to be careful. Because it's very easy for us to get distracted on a lot of other things and to miss the main mission that God has called us to. Because sometimes we can find ourselves on a mission that has no significance in the kingdom of God. We can find ourselves wrapped up in things that are not making a kingdom impact. You know, I said earlier that we need to think about what we're known for. And when we see people that are fostering and taking care of the vulnerable, when we see people that are uh, distributing food in times of need, when we see people that are building ramps and people that are giving toward missions and giving toward uh, alleviating suffering in our community, when we see young people that are saying, you know what, no matter what this world says, that I'm going to live different than the things of this world. I'm going to be like a Joseph, and I'm going to choose character over compromise. When we see a people that are saying, you know what, I'm not going to be conformed to the image of this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind as I dig into God's Word, and I allow His Word to be the truth that is in my life when we are encouraging one another and our words are edifying, right? The Scripture says that we need to be careful in the way that we walk toward outsiders. Let our speech be seasoned with salt full of grace and ready for the need of the moment. When we see people that are encouragers, man, I love when we were finishing the book of Acts and we see Paul getting to Rome and as he's on that journey, it said that there were other believers that met him on the journey and when he saw them, the Scripture says that he thanked God and he took courage. Man, when he saw them, they, they said, man, I'm so glad that 
that these people are in my life. Can we be a people that when they see us, that we see that, listen, we're living for a different kingdom. And when people see us, that they're encouraged and they take courage. And they say, you know what, when I am engaged with that person, when I see them, I am reminded of the mission that I'm on. And I take courage and I live in the midst of a, of a pagan world, in the midst of a world that is far from God. But I live in such a way that, that it encourages me to remember that the mission that I'm on is not in polarization of me and them, but they are already... Listen, people are so, that, that you can't get any further from God. I've heard people say, I don't know if I should share with my loved ones. I don't know if I should share with my family. I, I don't really know what I should do in these moments. I'm kind of scared about what to do. And the words that they say is, I'm not sure. I don't want to push them any further away from God. I want you to know that they can't get any further from Him. And Scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We have a message of reconciliation. And it's a message that overflows from the grace of God that's been poured out in in our life as we look at ourselves and we say you know what I've been reconciled through the blood of Christ that's shed on a cross I once was alienated in an enemy of the cross but it was it was on the cross that he took on all of my sin and all of my shame I know who I once was and I know what I deserve but instead I've been given grace and I want you to know that because of our sin we are separated from a holy God but he has given us a ministry to proclaim that good news that we can be reconciled to him that we can and look and we can put others needs ahead of our own and there can be a place that we live in that when we're around that people might look I don't know if you've ever been I remember when we were in New York City and every time I would go in a place to eat or every time I would do anything people would look at me and they would say you're not from around here are you and they could hear by my accent and they could hear by the things that I did. They were able to see. And, and Tony Meredith says this. He says, we should be giving the world a glimpse of what is coming in the future. We can show them what the king is like and what the kingdom is like. People should look at the words and deeds of believers and say, you aren't from around here. And we can answer, you know what, I'm just passing through. Because the reality is our citizenship is in heaven and we are just passing through. Man, when we uh, speak and when people see us and when we engage they should be encouraged. We, we should be willing to stand and declare the truth of the gospel but there should be something about us that smells like heaven. There should be something about us that when we're in the midst of this world that it, I don't know if you ever I ever get home sometimes and Miss Little Hope will have some cookies in the oven and I want you to know whenever I walk in the door it doesn't take me long to get excited because there's something different about that smell and there ought to be something different about our lives that, that, that even in a world that's supposed that it causes people to long to be around us to see we're called and to live in this life campers on mission Colossians chapter 3 we read it on Friday as part of our, our Bible reading plan I'm going to read these verses and I'm going to close it says therefore if you've been raised up with Christ and this is the message to us as followers of Jesus Christ as citizens of the kingdom of heaven on mission for the glory of God it says therefore if you've been raised up with Christ keep seeking those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God we long for a heaven we know where Christ is and we long for that kingdom we long to be with him we invest our lives in a way that our treasures are laid up there that, that the saints that have gone on before us are there and we long for that we eagerly await the coming of our Lord, we eagerly await a Savior. And he says, set your mind on things above and not on the things that are here on this earth. And, and can I encourage you to set your mind on things above, to, to keep our eyes fixed on the heavenly journey because we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. C.S. Lewis said this, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for this present world 
were just those who thought the most of the next. It is sense that Christians have largely sensed to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. I want to ask you just to pray with me as we close. I want to, I want to encourage you, if you've uh, never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Scripture says that we are in desperate need of forgiveness and reconciliation with God. And we come on mission for the glory of His name. Campers here just for a little while, but with a mission to share that good news that Jesus Christ has, has given us a way to be made right with God. Because of our sin, we're separated from God, and there is nothing that we could do to earn uh, a right standing with God. But through the cross of Christ and through faith in Christ, we can be saved. We can be reconciled to God and made right with God. Scripture says that He became sin on our behalf. That he who knew no sin, Jesus had never sinned, came and lived, stepped out from the glories of heaven, lived a sinless life, died on a cruel cross in my place, in your place. And for whoever that would believe in him by faith, they can be reconciled to God. And if you've never believed by faith, just trusted in what Jesus has done on the cross in your place, you can call on his name this morning and just believing in what has already been accomplished, you can have peace with God. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, even in these moments, to call on His name, to be reconciled to Him. Not through your good works, but through the work of the cross, so that no longer are you enemies with God, but that you are able to call Him friend, that you are able to be made right with God through not your righteousness, but through the righteousness of Christ that is credited to our account that's given on. Man, what a blessing to be reconciled to a holy God, to be made a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. So if that's you, I want you to, to just call on the name of the Lord even in this moment. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin, to our, our posture and our, our response is simply repentance and surrender that we, that we recognize that we are separated from God and that we have gone our own way, that we have lived our own way, and that we, we just repent of that. We turn away from our sin, and we turn to God in surrender and say, Jesus, you are Lord. And there's something beautiful that takes place as we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, as we uh, pass from death to life. So if that's you this morning, call on his name, confess your sin, turn from, from sin and turn to Christ. And for all of us here that have placed our faith in Christ, whether it was in these moments this morning or many years ago, I pray that we would remember that we are here for a little while, that we wouldn't be so attached to the things of this world that we forget that we are on a mission, that we have a king, and that we are his representatives here in this world. So may we be reconciled, and then may we be those that embrace this call, this ministry of reconciliation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for the blessing of being part of your family. Lord, we pray, God, that as we, uh, God, just, uh, God, as we walk in the midst of this crazy world that we live in, Lord, that we would set our eyes on things above and not on the things below. Lord, that we would live our lives as representatives of the King. And Lord, may everything smell, look, and taste a little sweeter because we've been there. 
God, may everywhere we go, God, may the, the works that we do, Lord, may they glorify our Father who is in heaven. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. And we ask this in Jesus' name.